If I were to ask you a question, a simple one, do you believe in God? That's rhetorical, you don't have to raise your hands. Do you believe in God? Well, if I were to ask myself that question, my first answer would be, well, it depends. Wouldn't be immediately yes. It depends. And then you might ask, why are you saying it depends? Because it depends on which God you're talking about. See, we live in a very large bubble. The bubble that we live in is the Christian tradition. And inside that Christian tradition, we, since we are the majority who in the religion that has formed Western culture, immediately when I ask you, do you believe in God? You already presume who we're talking about. But I would like to, during this Trinity Sunday, begin to... Uh, let me, let me use a, a metaphor, um, and that is remodel. The rem I would like to remodel your understanding of whatever you think of when I say the word God. Now, the reason I said remodeling is because it's really interesting. I, I recently had my bathroom... Um, remodeled. Uh, and all of you know that when you are going to remodel anything, the first phase is awful. The first phase is destruction. And you have to, you, you look at everything and you go, ah, it, it just looks awful. And at first, you can't see where the things are going because it looks awful and you have to keep reminding yourself. Well, I think theologically, I, I remember when I first entered the seminary that my first experience when I went into theology classes in the uh, university was that. It was... Uh, because in the seminary, they go make sure that they remodel your understanding. And if you have an, a naive in understanding of God and other aspects, heaven, hell, purgatory, all kinds of stuff, then uh, they tear it apart. Because 99% of us in our heads have an image that we learn from childhood. And what is true, or what adult theology has to tell us, is much different than what you learned from childhood. So today is Trinity Sunday. And I, I can't help but um, talk to you about theology, because that's we're talking about God. And so what I'd like to do 
is to begin to guide you through a, how should I say it, through a meditation on who God is. See, it's interesting because whenever I teach, I like to, I, I, I teach adults, young adults, children, but especially when I teach, teach young adults, because the lowest I teach are juniors and seniors in high school. The very first thing I, I do is I ask that question, do you believe in God? And of course I say, I always say, well, it depends, which God? And immediately I'm greeted with this, uh, what? What do you mean, which God? My favorite image is to use the word God as if it were a box. I want you to imagine a huge box, like, a, like a, a, the box that a washer dryer would come in, okay? Imagine a huge box. And the, word, the, the, the huge box has the word God on it, okay? Now, the, the word God is the box. God is a container. That's what I'm trying to get at. God is a container. Now, the question that you have to answer is, who's inside the container? It, or is the container empty? Because the word God is a very ancient word. It existed way before the Jews did. The word God. Ancients before Jews had God and gods. And so the word depends on who you're talking about. Because in the ancient world, that's, by the way, it's one of the reasons why when people say to me, you know, Father, Jesus never said he was God. Correct. You know why? He never said he was God because that was cheap. And what I mean by cheap is there were hundreds of gods. The emperors considered themselves God. And so if Jesus would have said, I'm God, it would not have been heard the way we hear it. They, they, people would have said, oh, okay, come on, it's, we got another one. Uh, we got another, another God here. So he didn't use the word because it was cheap. It was common. When Jesus talked about being God, and we'll talk about that in a minute, he was talking, he was using the language of Israel. And he just didn't use the word God by itself. He always identified himself with the God of Israel. But go back to the box. The question is, okay, so you believe in the box. I think most people would say, okay, there's a box right there, God. The next question is, which God? Who's inside that box? Is it the God of the Hindus? They believe in God. Is it the God of the Buddhists? They believe in a God. Is it the God of the Muslims? 
They believe in God. Is it the God of the Jews? Now you might say to me, but isn't that the same God? Mm, yes and no. No. Because the moment you tell the Jews that God is a trinity, they go, no, no, no. <laughs> That's not the God we believe in. And so the very first thing you have to, I want you to remember is that when people are talking about believing in God, you need to ask further questions because which God is important? Now, we Christians believe in the one God who is in three persons, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, not three gods, one. Now the question is, how did we get there? How did we get to believing in the Trinity? And, you know, for example, sometimes I like to play with, not play, but I have to be careful. Um, I was going to say play with the Protestants. Uh, because Protestants always love to say to you, we only believe what's in the Bible. And I always say, ooh, show me the, show me the word Trinity in the Bible. It ain't there. So that's an aside. There are times that I get perverse pleasure out of intellectual, and I, and I really shouldn't. Um, but we believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, where did we get that? And how do we come to an understanding of how did we get there? Because remember, the Jew, the, 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 all the early apostles were Jews. They only believed in one God. If you would have gone early to the day after the resurrection, um, and you were to say to the apostles, thanks be to God, we have been revealed the Trinity, they would have gone, huh? What are you talking about? Because it took a while for them to come to understand. Why do you think that Jesus said to them, I have much more to tell you, but you cannot bear it now. Because it would take time for the Holy Spirit to help the apostles come to terms with the implications of what Jesus had said. You see, if Jesus, when Jesus was there, he claimed to be the God of Israel. Remember? Even though he didn't say, I'm God, he said, before Abraham came to be, I am. Remember, that's the name of God. I am. Okay? I always love that story because it comes from Moses. When Moses asks, you know, God the, in the burning bush, what's your name? The fire, the burning bush responds, I am. And I always imagine Moses 
standing there going, finish the sentence. What do you mean, I am? You are what? And that's the whole point. The, su the, the sentence has a subject and a verb. It has no object. I am. And Jesus says, I am. And I could go on and on, but all the ways that Jesus said that he was one, he was the living God made flesh. Okay? And John says it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now listen to this. All of a sudden, you have the early apostles thinking back at what Jesus was saying. Now imagine you're one of the apostles, and you're a good Jew, and you think there's only one God. And Jesus is saying he is God made human. Hmm, that's bad enough. He stills the sea, he raises the dead, he does all this kind of stuff. And he's God, the God of Israel. But all of a sudden, Jesus is saying, Father, I thank thee that you have given me these. And he keeps talking about his Father. Can you now think, if you're one of the apostles, the question that should come to your mind is, who's he talking to? There's only one God. Is he talking to himself? Because there are people these days that believe in a heresy without knowing it. You don't, most people don't know it. But the heresy is called modalism. Modalism. You know what modalism is? People believe that they under, the way they understand the Trinity is that it's one God and he puts different masks on. You know, right now I am the Father. Okay, I'll get the mask, I am the Son. Okay, the mask, I am the Holy Spirit. But it's all one God. No, 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 no. That's a heresy. Okay, why? Because it's all the same person. So if Jesus was talking to the Father, he would be going, I, the Son, I'm talking, hello, Father, yes, my Son, yes, Father. And he would be changing masks, okay? It's not, it's not the way it is. God is, he's talking to another person. Now, can you imagine the apostles and the disciples listening to this? And he's saying, he is God made human, but he's talking to another God. Another? Are there two gods? And all of a sudden, before Jesus dies, and he's, he's at the Last Supper, which is what you heard in the gospel, he begins to say, and I will send you a third, a whole, the Holy Spirit. The Father will send you the Holy Spirit, and he will speak in my name, and all of a sudden, the apostles, can you imagine the apostles? They're sitting there going, what, number three? We got three now? Can you imagine a good Jew trying to come to terms with how is it one God 
and three purrs. Three, one, three, one, three. The Holy Spirit, no wonder Jesus said, you cannot bear it now. You cannot bear it now. So the early church began to understand the Trinity and later gave it a name. That's why it's not in the Bible, because it had not been fully yet developed. They believed in it, but they didn't have a name for it. And so slowly the church began to, through the aid of the Holy Spirit, began to understand, ah, three persons in one God. And believe me, throughout church history, there's been lots of attempts to solve what was considered to be a contradiction. How can you have three persons but one God? If you have three persons, you have three gods. No, you don't. You have one. But you just said three. Yes, but one. Okay, one. But you just said three. No, it's three, but one. And it should keep you going around in circles. I had a, a graduate school professor who used to say to me that his goal was to thoroughly confuse us. Thoroughly confuse us. Because he says, the moment you think you understand the Trinity, you don't. You don't. Because it is, in theology, we have something called a mystery. And the mystery is not like you have in secular world, where you have a, actually, when you read a mystery novel, you really are, the word mystery is used there, but it's not a mystery the way that you understand, that we understand mystery and theology. It, you really are solving a problem. It's not a mystery. When you find out who done it, then you solved the problem. We say solve the mystery, but that's not what we mean in theology. When we say the word mystery in theology, what we're talking about is a reality of such depth that it the more you understand, the more you understand that there's more to understand. You get it? The more you understand a mystery, the more you understand that there's more to understand in the mystery. Yeah, I, I, a professor of mine used to say, it's not that it's incomprehensible, it's that it's infinitely comprehensible. Now put those two things together. Infinite comprehensibility. God is, why do you think in the, in the New Testament, Jesus is always saying, seek God. Seek him with all your heart. Seek him. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. Because part of the relationship that we have with God is for us to be brought deeper and deeper into the mystery of God. So the very first thing that I want you to remember when somebody says to you, do you believe in God? You got to get beyond God as the old man in the sky, you know, who gives us, who sends 
Tinkerbell down. When I was young, I used to think that the Holy Spirit was like Tinkerbell. You know, you ever seen the Disney movies when Tinkerbell goes like this with her, her wand? goes, ding! And all this little Tinkerbell dust goes, like that. That's what I used to think of the Holy Spirit. It gave me the Holy Spirit, ding! That's not the Holy Spirit. Okay? That's kid stuff. So the very first thing is, in remodeling, is we really got to tear apart, deconstruct, or tear apart this image that you have in your head. And now you can say to me, but Father, okay, so you're tearing it apart, but you ain't replacing it with anything. Correct. Correct. I want you to be confused. <laughs> because when you think about the Trinity, you are standing in the face of the greatest central mystery of the Christian tradition. And you do not pretend that you understand God. You don't even pretend that you do so. Now, let me get to a little another way, because I want to talk to you about another way of knowing the Trinity, which I am fascinated with. Because this way of knowing the Trinity is based on Scripture. But my favorite way is taking that for granted, not, not in a bad way, making I accept that, that Jesus talked that way. So what I always wonder is this. Okay, if God is the Trinity, three persons in one God, whose image and likeness is love, whose, who, whose love, because God is love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the Bible says we are made in his image and likeness, where in being human can we see like what fingerprints did he leave? using the image of a fingerprint. If God is making something and we're in his image and likeness, where is the image and likeness of us? In God, of us. Where is his image? What can I see in myself that is part of the image of God that would sync with what Jesus said? Because there's got to be something inside of me that sinks into the identity of the Trinity that Jesus gave us. And this is what I find fascinating. Let me give you two. There's more, many more. But let me give you two. Have you ever thought about the structure of yourself? Now, this is going to require a little thinking, okay? Okay. The structure of yourself. I'm just going to say a small sentence. When I ask myself this question, I, and da, 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 da. Now just stop there. When I ask myself, there seems to be an I that is asking the question, and then there is a self that seems to be being asked the question. So I, am I, 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 have, I, I 
I have two dogs, and they don't ask themselves anything. No animal asks themselves. There is no self to ask. There's an ask, when I say it, there's an asker and an asky. <laughs> Who is that? Am I two people? And the human being is the only person, the only being that has the capacity to imagine himself and question himself. Notice how there is there, you can question you, question an, a self, which is also you. There's two. Yeah. And then you get to know this self and the relationship with yourself. Well, like, for example, when people say, I hate myself. What are you talking about? The self and the hate. And there seems to be, there's you, there's the self, and then there's the hate. Or I love myself. Okay, I doubt myself. What I'm trying to get you to see is that already inside of your own self, there is the capacity because what you're seeing in the image and likeness of God already beginning to appear in you as an individual. But let me take it just one step further. This is what I find also fascinating. This is why theology just fascinates me. Philosophy and theology just fascinates me. Why am I not complete in and of myself. Think about that. Why am I not... Here's what, what I mean by that. Have you ever been lonely? What are you lonely for? You are lonely because you sense that there's an aspect of you that is incomplete without another. It's almost like you are an unfinished being until you love or are loved. I, I had a, a friend of mine a long time ago when we were talking about relationships. And this person was saying to me, you know, in a relationship, there's not just the other person. There's a third. Think about this. I'll talk to you guys, you guys who are married, or because I, I, I can experience, we can experience it, even your, your celibate, because of any relationship. But let, let's talk about marriage first. You who are married, there, in your marriage, there is you, there is your spouse, and then there's a third, the relationship. When you say, this is good for my marriage, you're not just talking about it's good for me. You're not just talking about it's good for you. 
there seems to be a third. The relationship exists independently of you and the other. Uh, this is our, the relationship, this is good for our relationship, seems to be a person, a being that is contributed by the two of you. And it's the same thing when you say our friendship. There seems to be, and if you understand how St. Augustine talks about God, he says the Father loves the Son and the love of the Son back to the Father. The Father images himself. That's when, you, when you're going to hear it. And I apologize. I'm fa fascinated. I'm almost done. Okay, if your head's spinning, just spin a little while longer. Okay? Oh, if the Father, at the highest level, loves himself, and in loving himself, the way you love yourself, but in much higher term, in loving himself, that self is a person, becomes a person, who loves him back. And this person that loves him back creates the relationship which is the Holy Spirit. That's Augustine. And all of a sudden you have this God knowing himself and loving himself to the point that he, the, the self is a living being. That's why we speak about begotten of the Father. Begotten, not made. God has been that from the beginning. He has been love. How can you have a God who is love if he has no one to love? How could God be God before he created us if there was no one to love? He created, he didn't create, he begot himself, not in time. He begets himself, and that is the Son. And the Son loves the Father back, and the the relationship is the Holy Spirit. It's fascinating. Now, when you say God, that's what we mean. We don't mean an old man. We mean, we mean that. Okay? And I'll, let me end it with this. I was listening to a, a theology lecture, and <laughs> the priest who was giving the lecture, uh, uh, Bishop, Bishop Barron, he was giving it, he says, hey, you ever thought about where the, the idea of three persons, why do we use the word persons? You ever thought about that? You know what he answered? Because the first people who invented it, using the word persons, said, because we don't know what else to call them. Because, and some of the ancient... The, the ancients used to say there are three, and in Latin, I don't remember how you say it in Latin, but there's three whatchamacallits. <laughs> there's three whatchamacallits and one whatchamacallit. Okay? And that's what you have. So anyway, I'll shut up in a minute. Almost. This is the Trinity. It, and I hope that when you think about your life, when you think about heaven, when you think about love, when you think about relationship, 
look around you. Look a little deeper. Because I think what you're going to see is the very image of the triune God inside of you and inside of each one of your relationships. The fingerprints of God are there. Most of us just are satisfied with an old man in the sky. That needs to be remodeled, folks. That's not the, not the real God. Who's in the box? A reality of such depth that the more you understand, the more you understand that there's more to understand.